Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 or maybe on the internet, but we still love you nonetheless. And we're coming to our time. Oh, we love we love people on the internet even better. <laughs> they, they, they get extra points. Okay, okay. We're, <laughs> we, are, we play favourites here on Faith FM. You know, we're not about equality. We just see, see, people that are listening on their phone are people that are getting a clear signal right across Australia. Mm-hmm. So, if you go to faithfm.com.au and press play and then run it through your cast area with an auxiliary cord or through your Bluetooth system, however you want to do it, that is the way to listen to Faith FM. And we know that you're never going to drive away from our signal, so we just we just love you better. Well, there you go. Bam, bam. You've got Lyle's tick of approval. But before we get into our encounter with God section, uh, we have another clue for the quiz. All right. Are you Bring ready? it on. All right. Bring it on. Herod and I met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to conspire against Jesus. Ooh. Ooh. I'll give you some time. Ooh. I'm spelling it wrong. What are you? What are you? I'm so confused. You're really, really incorrect. If you know <laughs> if you know who this is, give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Okay, so this person dates back get... to the time of John the Baptist. Yeah. When John the Baptist read that first clue again. Read okay. that first clue again. The is first it? clue was I was the governor of Judea when the word of the Lord came to John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, no, I've got it now. No, okay. you don't. Yes, no, you do. Okay. Give us a call. 1-800-324-843. Get a prize. I've got it now. <laughs> right, Lyle. Yes. We're in the book of Revelation. We are in the book of Revelation. We yes. are indeed in the book of Revelation. So let's go to Revelation. And where are we up to in Revelation? We are up to Revelation chapter 9, which is mm-hmm. totally awesome. One of my favorite chapters in the book of Revelation, where we have so many different uh, identifying characteristics and various things we're going, to, uh, we're going to be discussing right here. So let's go to Revelation chapter 9, and we begin in verse 1, where the Bible says, The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Mm-hmm. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. This is such dramatic language here. I mean, this is the kind of language that is just going to catch your attention. This is where, you know, you think that, you think that Hollywood can grab your attention? Mm. This is where Hollywood goes for inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you you look at Hollywood, so much of Hollywood is inspired by. Yeah. uh, like uh, every single storyline. Yeah, <laughs> by the Bible. And, uh, yeah, just amazing, amazing um, material that we're looking right here. Okay, so let's work through some of the symbolism. In fact, let's read more verses and then let's work our way back through the symbolism that we have All here. right. Verse 3? Yep. Okay, here we go. Then it says, the Bible says in Revelation 9 and verse 3, that then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth, and they were given power to sting like scorpions. Ooh. Man, they're rough locusts, that's like man. Elon. That's not great. Elon, they have mutated. <laughs> it's evolution this is the, at this work. Is, this is the ev- evolution at work. This is the next <laughs> level of mutation where grasshoppers have stings like scorpions. Oof, rough gig. Keep reading. 
yes, give us one. Give us two more. Two verses. more. All right, here we go. Revelation 9, verse 4, the Bible says, They were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain like the pain of a, storpy, a scorpion sting. Okay, so let's work our way through the, through the uh, symbols that we have right here. So we know what we're dealing with so far. Okay, so let's, let's summarize what we're dealing with so far. The first four trumpets mm-hmm. have dealt with... Uh, the, the trumpets themselves, of course, uh, we noted the other day, parallel of the churches and the seals, seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets. We're dealing with repeat and enlarge. We're dealing mm-hmm. with the same time period, beginning in the time period of the apostle who is writing the prophecy and extending through to the end of time. Mm-hmm. We have noted that there is no reference in here to God's church, except for a passing reference here about those that have the seal of God. Mm-hmm. It's the only reference you find anywhere in the trumpets to anything to do with you know God or his church or anything like this. This is a prophecy dealing with political events. Yep. Um, and so it's going to be quite different in its language and its description and so forth. Uh, beginning in the time of John, of course, that's the Roman Empire. And it goes on to, to, to really give a, uh, a description, you know, when it talks about the close of probation on the Roman Empire. That's the issue that we're dealing with here because uh, the introduction introduces uh, Jesus Christ closing probation. And, of course, that's the Roman Empire. And we find that uh, your first four trumpets really deal with the, the close of probation on Western Rome. Mm. Now what you come down to is Eastern Rome. All that is left of the Roman Empire is Eastern Rome. Now, Eastern Rome we're often referred to as uh, the Byzantine Empire. Yeah. We're not often referred to it as the Roman Empire because mm-hmm. it was based in Byzantium mm-hmm. rather than in Rome. Um, it became very Greek in nature, in culture. Uh, the This was an area in which the Orthodox Church held sway. And so we often neglect the fact that this was actually the Roman Empire that we're dealing with. At times it was quite powerful, and at times it was incredibly weak. Mm. Uh, we're going to cover some of the history of that as we work our way through this particular um, prophecy here. But let's start with the symbols. Let's just go down through the first five verses. Let's identify the symbols, and then we can go back through the prophecy and identify what is taking place. Because once you've got the symbols, they're like they're like keys to a mm-hmm. puzzle, puzzle keys. Okay, so the first symbol is the symbol of a star. Yes. What does a star symbolize in Bible prophecy? A star represents a couple different things. Okay. Okay, so the first thing that I know that a star represents is... An angel. Yes, that's correct. The second thing I know that a star represents is a leader. That is absolutely correct. And I can't think of anything else. <laughs> well, that's about it. Then the reason you can't think of anything else is because you pretty much summarized it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so a star symbolizes a leader. Mm-hmm. And in a political context, that's going to be a king. Mm-hmm. So just to clarify that for you, right within the passage here, we have um, verse... Uh, in, in, in fact, if we go back to chapter 1, sorry. And, of course, you remember the very famous prophecy, you know, a star shall arise out of Judah? Mm-hmm. There's a prophecy about Jesus Christ. Yeah. A king mm-hmm. shall arise out of Judah. Mm-hmm. There's a prophecy that Balaam gave about Jesus Christ. But Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, the seven stars are the angels or the leaders of the seven churches. Mm -hmm. So a star symbolizes a leader. Go to Revelation chapter 9 now and down in verse 11, they had a 
king over them, which is the angel. So a star symbolizes an angel, which symbolizes a leader. Mm-hmm. In a church context, that's going to be a church leader. In a political context, a political leader or a king. Yeah. Okay, we're good so far. Bam. All right. Okay, so you've got a star that falls to the earth and has the key to the bottomless pit. Ooh. Have you ever been to the bottomless pit? No. I've never been there. And I hope to never go there. Really? I don't want to fall in a bottomless pit. That you just fall forever. That that would that would suck. Okay, so let me <laughs> let me summarize. Let me summarize for you very, very quickly. Uh, what the Bible is talking about when it refers to the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit is mentioned in a number of different places in the Bible, and if we take it in context, it is always consistent. Every reference in the Bible to the bottomless pit, which you know references a number of different places, mm-hmm. um, always consistently refers to a desolate wasteland. Yeah. Have you ever been to a desolate wasteland? Um. Oh, I wanted to make a joke about you. I was going to say, yeah, I went to your house. Once, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Shell's in the studio and she's going to be really angry at me. So I'm yeah, not going to make just, that just, joke. Shell, just shut his microphone off. Yeah, <laughs> you got control out there. Just, just, just quieten this guy down a little bit. We can, we, we know how to shut Lawson up. Okay. So, uh, desolate wasteland. Yeah. I, I've been to Outback Australia. Yeah. Um, and that could be described as the bottomless pit because mm. it is a desert. Yeah, uh, and a desert, a desert, desolate wasteland. Okay, so here, you, what you have is a king who has a key, and is able to unlock a desolate wasteland. Yes, or a leader who has a key who is able to unlock a desolate wasteland, and when he does, the Bible says that smoke comes out of the desolate wasteland and it darkens the earth. So something very dramatic is about to take place. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so smoke comes out of the desolate wasteland, so much smoke, it spreads so rapidly, the Bible says it darkens the sun as a result. Bam. Dark so, so he unlocks sun. a desolate wasteland, and suddenly you've got this smoke just pouring out across the world. Now, mm-hmm. now this is this is great symbolism <clears throat> and great language that we have right here because you know how you have a a bushfiery day, yep, and there's just smoke everywhere. Yeah, yep, you're driving yep, down yep, the road, yep. there's smoke. You're in your bedroom, there's smoke. You go into the supermarket, there's smoke. You go pretty much anywhere, there's going to be smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember we had some big bushfires around Sydney one time. You went to the supermarket, you could hardly see from one end of the aisle to the other. Oh, man, it was um, pretty gig. pretty full on. <laughs> Okay, so that's what smoke does. It just permeates everywhere. And so what we are expecting now is something that is going to permeate just everywhere. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then coming out of the smoke comes what? In verse 3. Locusts come out of the smoke. Okay, so locusts, we're we're, pretty harmless kinds of things, right? Yep. Until but, they sting you like scorpions. They, okay, so they got some sting to them. These these locusts have have a sting to them. All right, so let me ask you this question: What does a what does a beast symbolize in Bible prophecy? A nation. A nation. All right. So in the Bible, we have various large empires described as being you know big and powerful beasts, right? Mm-hmm. So Babylon is symbolized as a lion. Yep. Uh, Persia is symbolized as a bear. Mm-hmm. Greece is symbolized as a leopard. Rome is symbolized as just, you know, some 
great weird, big terrible weird looking thing. <laughs> we'll call it a dinosaur for the sake yeah, of a T Rex, a big T Rex. Yeah, T Rex. That'll work. Something something along those lines. Yep. is what is described as being Rome. How does a grasshopper contrast with that? It's much smaller, much okay. more harmless. Until it's given the power to sting like a scorpion, of course. Which can eat more, a grasshopper or a lion? Well, I assume that one lion can eat more than one grasshopper. All right. Have you ever seen a grasshopper plague? Like a plague of grasshoppers? A plague? Yeah, yeah. When I say grasshopper plague, like lots and lots and lots of grasshoppers. Yeah, or- where the ground is literally moving with grasshoppers. Okay, yeah. Well, then they could probably eat more than a lion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah, get a plague yeah. of grasshoppers. And, and this is what we're talking about here. You know, grasshoppers that come, you know, and when grasshoppers come in, in, in plague proportions, they will fly so thickly that they look like clouds, like mm. smoke obscuring yeah. the sun. Yeah. And when they come through... They will dwarf mm. what a lion can accomplish. Yeah, fully. Absolutely. Okay, so there's a number of things that we can learn about grasshoppers. Of course, a beast, a creature, and a grasshopper is a beast or a creature, right? Mm-hmm. So it symbolizes a, 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 a nation of some kind. But the first thing we're going to notice is that grasshoppers are very small. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about very small nations mm-hmm. or very small political entities, mm-hmm. but lots of them. Mm-hmm. And the next thing about grasshoppers is that they work in unity. So you've got lots of small political entities all working in unity. Yes. And Lawson is looking at me like, where on earth is Lyle going He's painting with this? a picture, but like, you know, I don't know what picture you're painting. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. Okay. Slow your roll, Picasso. Let's, let's, <coughs> let's get back on track. <laughs> let's go. All right. Now, whereabouts is their sting? Um, their sting is on them. Excuse me? They were given power to sting like scorpions? Yeah, where does it? Ha- where does a scorpion have its sting? In its butt? Like in, in its, its back? In yeah, its tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in its tail. <laughs> yeah, a scorpion has a tail. So these are grasshoppers that have tails with uh-huh, stings in them. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, in the Bible, the, uh, the tail is a symbol of a prophet. Oh, Okay, so I didn't know, know that. I didn't uh, know that. Ooh. Okay. Defend, defend your point. Yeah, I will in, in a moment. Give us a reference. Um, Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 16. No, I might have that wrong. I'll, I'll look it up for you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, but anyway, they go out, we've got stings in their tails, and during the time period that they are stinging a lot of people, there is one group of people who are protected. Who is that? According to verse Four. Okay, the Bible says in verse four they didn't they they were told not to harm the grass or the trees or the plants, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Okay, so there's gonna be a group of people here that are going to be protected. Who is that group of people? The trees and the grass and the plants. And 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 the the, the grass and those and people that have. have the seal because, yeah, they, because they get people the people who do not, not have, have the seal. seal. Okay. Hey, there we go. All right, all right. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. The lights are coming on slowly this morning. No, I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> it's because I can't find my Bible verse here. 
Uh, yeah, my Bible verse is actually in Isaiah chapter 9 and mm-hmm. verse 15. Yes. Okay. So you can write that down to look that one up later. Mm-hmm. Um, 9 and verse 15. Okay. Then, how long do they persecute for in verse 5? In verse 5, it says five months. Okay. So, that's a time prophecy. Mm-hmm. What does a day symbolize in Bible prophecy? A year. And in a biblical month, how long is a biblical month? It's 30 days, right? 30 days. Yeah. And so 30 times 5 gives you what? 30 times 5 gives you 12. <laughs> so you've got a period of... No, you've got... It gives you 150. 30 times 5 wait, gives you 150. Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm so lost. I'm like, it's really early in the morning, <laughs> but we're okay. All right, All right, let me get my calculator out here. <coughs> because yeah, because 12, I was I was taught to do I was four, taught to do mental arithmetic when I was in school because four, my teacher four, said the reason you need to do mental because I'm like I got a calculator why do I need to do mental arithmetic <laughs> is because there will never be a time when you always have a calculator in your pocket. Well, welcome <laughs> to 2019. Yeah, well because uh, whoops. So so here? so four 30? by three is twelve, and then Times. four four by four four five oh. by three is 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 fifteen. Four by, I mean five by. So it's 150 150. days in total. So it's going to give you a 150 year time period, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Okay, so there we've got some identifying characteristics. We know that this takes place um, in Eastern Rome after Mm -hmm. the fall of Western Rome. Yep. We're going to find a leader who is going to unlock a desolate wasteland, and out of that desolate wasteland are going to come so many. Small political powers. Let's call them tribes with mm-hmm. chieftains. Mm-hmm. Now, their unity, they're going to be united in purpose and their unity is going to center around their prophet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and they're going to cover the world like smoke. They're going mm-hmm. to permeate kind of like everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're going to protect people that have the seal of God. In other words, true Christians. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if you're not a true Christian... What's going to happen then? You're going to get stung. You're going to get tormented. And for how long are they going to torment? Five months. Five months, 150 years. So now we've got our identifying characteristics lined up. Um, We could uh, read it a little bit like this. You know, after 541 in Eastern Rome, a king or a political person unlocks a desolate wasteland from which emerge united but individual tribes who spread through the whole earth. Their power and unity is in their profit. And after 150 years of war, during which true Christians, sealed Christians, are generally protected, they're unable to destroy Eastern Rome. Mm -hmm. They cannot destroy. They can only torment. Yep. All right, so now we come to a time where we probably should share a little bit of a history lesson as to what actually took place in Eastern Rome around about this uh, particular uh, time period that we are dealing with right here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we go to the year 607, mm-hmm. so 607, you have the rise in the Eastern Roman Empire of a man by the name of Muhammad. Yeah. Okay, now watch this. Muhammad... Starts to rise, starts to rise to power, starts to create a new religion. And many might ask the question, well, why was Muhammad creating a new religion? What was the need? What was the purpose for a new religion? What was the, what was, and what enabled this new religion to 
take hold so quickly and so rapidly? Well, you've got to look at the condition of Christianity in this era of history. If you go back to the 5th century, you have uh, a century during which it became a stated purpose of the church to absorb into themselves everything that there was from paganism and by doing so to attract more people to Christianity by becoming more and more and more pagan. As a result of that, they noticed that pagans had lots of gods and so they created lots of saints to replace them all with. Anyway, this is Carly Fletcher. Back in a moment. We do not know to 
that was Carly Fletcher with Teach Us to Number Our Days here on Faith FM. And Lawson, give us another clue for the quiz. Okay, here we go. Lyle still hasn't got this yet, so double prizes are up for grabs until he just wrote down the answer. So, no double prizes are up for grabs, actually. But, again, okay, we have another clue. You ready? I said what I have written... I have written. 1-800-324-843 is the number. If you know the answer to that question or text us on 0491-064-669. And there is an amazing prize coming away. What are we giving away today, Lawson? You got something there in front of you? Oh, yep. I have lots of things in front of me. And one of them is a sanitarium's nature superfood cookbook coming your way. So if you want this awesome cookbook. Win a cookbook, you owe us a meal. So yeah, if you win this cookbook, you owe us a meal. But you have to get the cl- the the clue for the the quiz. You have to get the clue. You have for to the- get the answer to the clue for the <laughs> quiz, and then you have a cookbook. Bam, bam. There you go. Okay. Right. So yes, I just wanted to talk about before we get back into our Bible study. We actually had someone uh, contact us in one of the breaks and say that they wanted to hear um, that interview that Mon did again. Because they said it was a really great interview. Because, of course, Mon is doing great interviews over in Kenya. And guess what, Lyle? Yes. We can actually listen to our shows again if we so desire. There you go. They're all on podcast. So, you simply go to faithfm.com.au, press on the button that says Programs. Mm-hmm. And press on the button that says breakfast show, mm-hmm. and you'll say you'll see uh, Mon's pretty face and my ugly mug, and uh, you won't see Lawson. Yeah, not since he's been docked. I'm, I'm not upset. <laughs> <laughs> and you just go, just scroll down. They're all there. Bam! There you go. And listen to it. Yep. All right. Cool. And don't forget, of course, that uh, if you're listening to the delayed broadcast and you're getting it, you know, sort of. You're coming, you, you're all the Johnny Come Latelys, then flick over to faithfm.com.au and press play. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to the live show right there. across Australia, okay. right around well, the world. We, we were talking about some heavy history here. Yes. So we've yes. got, uh, we've got <coughs> um, Muhammad rising to power. And his first military success, or the first military success of Islam. Uh, come some years later in the year 629. Now, we're talking about some of the, the uh, environment that caused Muhammad to and Islam to rise so quickly. One of the things that Muhammad noted was that, you know, as he was studying the various religions of the world, and he was a keen mm-hmm. student of religions, plural, he studied Christianity, he studied Islam. Sorry, not Islam, he studied um, uh, Judaism. Mm-hmm. Uh, he studied, you know, some of the pagan religions and so forth. Of course, he had grown up in Arabia, so... You know, there was that they had the the Arabian religions that um, you know that 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 he had grown up with and was familiar with. But something that he was deeply, deeply convicted over was monotheism. Mm. There is just one God. Yeah, and so this became central to everything that Muhammad came to stand for and to teach. And one of the reasons that this became so powerful was because the church at this time had gone completely the opposite direction. Mm. And so the church had developed a system of praying to saints who then become demigods. Um, And the church had become incredibly corrupted by this, and there was a backlash against it, uh, both in Christianity and, of course, with Muhammad, where people were saying, no, 
You know, this is wrong. This is not what we should be doing. We we should be pray, praying to one God and mm. one God alone. And it was really the backlash against the corruption, the deep, deep corruption of Christianity at this time throughout the empire that allowed uh, Islam and Muhammad's teachings to rise so incredibly rapidly because people could look at an incredibly corrupt church and a new religion that was standing for very, very high morals mm. and trying to, and, and, you know, his big claim is that he is reinstating monotheism. He's bringing the world back to monotheism. Mm-hmm. And so it creates an environment where uh, Islam grows in, incredibly uh, rapidly. And as the Bible s- talks about it, you know, it begins to spread like smoke, just, just mm. spreads through the whole world. Now, the interesting description that you have here <coughs> is a description of going like locusts or like grasshoppers. Yep. Arabia at this time was not ruled over by a king or a caliph or a sultan or otherwise. Mm. It was made up of tribes with tribal chieftains, and they were disunited. Uh, it was it was seen as being, you know, it's the Arabian desert. It's a desolate wasteland. It's the bottomless pit. Why would anybody worry about, you know, what is taking place out there in the desert? Yeah. But quietly growing to power was a new religion that was uniting the tribes, not politically, but religiously. Mm. And that religious union then brought about united political or military action. Mm. So much so that they were able to uh, to go up against the, um, um, the Roman Empire yeah. in the east. And to give a little bit of history behind that, uh, previous to this, um, you had uh, in the year, you know, because you got your first military success of Islam in 629, but uh, in the year previous to that, of course, some, some events had taken place where Crossroads II of Persia had attacked the Roman Empire, mm. the Eastern Roman Empire. And uh, he had destroyed and captured the entire empire except for the city of Constantinople. Yeah, wow. Now, Constantinople was one of the most well-defended cities on the planet. Yeah. And this is a, this is a city that stood unrivaled 1,100 years. Mm. In an 1,100-year period, this city was never conquered. Yep. And, and it's a period of always constant warfare. So it's a powerfully, powerfully defended city. And the emperor at the time, Heracles, um, he just um, locked himself inside the city. Yeah. And he's like, nobody can get in here. We'll just stay here. Mm. And Crossroads the Second is outside, and Crossroads the Second is like, okay, I'll, I'll lift the siege on the city, mm. but it's going to cost you X amount of money. Mm. You can maintain your empire, and you can maintain the city. The empire is only the city, uh, but it's going to cost you X amount of money. Miraculous comes back and says, fine, there's no problem. Happy to pay the money. Huge amount of money. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the money in the city. You need to let me out to go and raise the money, but I'll go and raise the money from you know, around the various parts of the empire, and I'll pay it to you. Mm. So Crossroads the Second is like, fine, um, off you go. So Heraclius gets outside of the city and begins to travel through the empire. Instead of raising money, he raises an army. (laughs) Now, he can never match the size of Crossroads' army. Yeah. But he does raise an army that fights hard, and in the Battle of Nineveh, uh, he defeats Crossroads II in a Pyrrhic 
victory. Wow. A Pyrrhic victory, of course, is one where you destroy yourself. And so now you've basically got you know, two world superpowers. The Persians and the Romans have gone up against each other and destroyed themselves. Mm. And nobody's ever heard of Arabia. <laughs> and suddenly the Arabs come pouring out of the desert mm. uh, on horseback. Uh, they have an army that is made up almost exclusively of cavalry. Mm. They come streaming out of the desert in a very short space of time. They conquer everything that Crossroads the Second had conquered <laughs> and reduce the Roman Empire to the walls of Constantinople. Mm. Now, of course, that's not where it stays. The, uh, the fortunes ebb and flow over the centuries. We know about how that takes place, but they are not able to destroy the Roman Empire. We're going to come back tomorrow. We're going to talk about the 150-year time prophecy and also about those who have the seal of God who are protected during this time period. Who are they? How are they protected as Islam rises to power? Right now, this is Lauren Daigle with... In my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every
is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5 designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. <laughs> oh, soul, are you weary in trouble? Darkness you see There's a light for a look at the Savior And life more abundant and free Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will go strange Glory and grace 
Guys, that was Jaden Lavick with Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You're listening to Faith FM. We're going to have another clue for our quiz before we head into the question of the day. All right, so next clue for the quiz this will be our last flip clue for today. Okay, I handed Jesus over to be crucified. Okay, who might that be? If you, you know, know who that is, if you know who that is, then you know. You know to give us a call right here on Faith FM, one 843 and you will find the answer to that particular question. Okay, so what's our question of the day, Lawson? Okay, Lyle, our question <coughs> is, what is the Eucharist? The Eucharist is a, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting word that simply comes from the Greek word Eucharista, which means thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in Christian circles, the Eucharist typically or usually describes a religious ceremony or a Christian rite in which um, wine and bread are turned into the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, we call that uh, transubstantiation. Broadly speaking, you know, Eucharista, Thanksgiving, uh, you could use this word to describe within Christianity any Christian service, although it's usually only used in relationship to um, transubstantiation. Now, transubstantiation only exists within the Roman Catholic tradition. And within the Roman Catholic tradition, it goes a little bit like this. When the priest, you know, says the certain words over uh, the bread and the wine, that that bread literally... At that moment, the priest literally creates within the bread Jesus Christ and within the wine the blood of Jesus Christ. So basically the the priest becomes the creator of his creator. And that's what you read in many Roman Catholic commentaries on, you know, just 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 how powerful the, the priest is in being able to do this. And then of course, as you know, the congregation partakes, what they are doing is physically eating uh, Jesus Christ, and by that physical act of eating, they believe that they're taking the power of Christ into themselves. There's a very, very ancient tradition that goes back to you know the whole concept of eating the God. The concept of eating the God was a pagan uh, concept that goes back many, many centuries, where you know certain foods would be dedicated and blessed, and it would be believed that the God had gone into that food, and then you would eat that, and the God would become a part of yourself. <clears throat> this is not what you find in the Bible. Jesus says that his literal body, his literal flesh, is worthless. Um, and, of course, the uh, transubstantiation, trans-change substance. Um, in the Lutheran uh, tradition, you have consubstantiation, which teaches exactly the same thing, but rather than the change taking place uh, due to the words that the priest says in the Lutheran tradition, the change takes place um, based on your faith. So if you have faith in what you are eating, then it becomes real. If you don't have faith, then it remains as bread. Um, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church and most Protestant churches, of course, we believe that these are symbols of something that is real rather than becoming something that is real. So to look at what the Bible says on it, let's go to John. Uh, let me see here. John chapter... Oh, I 
Where are we? John chapter 6. Get there in a moment. <clears throat> John chapter 6, verse uh, 53, the Bible says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except or unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And this is where people see this as being incredibly important. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So by eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Christ, we get the promise of the resurrection. It confuses the disciples. You can read on down through here. They don't know what Jesus is talking about. So Jesus comes back and explains it. He says, it is the spirit that gives life, the flesh. In other words, my literal body profits nothing. It is worthless. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so when Jesus talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, he is talking about receiving his words into yourself so that his words become a part of the person that you are. Now, don't forget, if you have a question of the day, Send it through us here on 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. We would love to place your question of the day up so that uh, people can discuss it online and also we can answer it for you right here on Faith FM. However, we do need to move on and seeing as we've been talking about the blood of Jesus Christ and the body of Jesus Christ, we're going to listen to this song that our producer has chosen, Alan Jackson, There is Power in the Blood. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb.
You're listening to Alan Jackson with There Is Power in the Blood here on Faith FM. And only just making it to the microphone in time because in between times I'm texting with another radio presenter who is uh, yeah, also doing her thing. So, um, oh, sweet. yeah, busy, busy, busy. But uh, trying to set up some interviews here mm. and hopefully we can get uh, Danny Sinnott on to talk about Brave Enough uh, conference that she has coming up um, soon. Awesome. I just told her to send me details, so I'm waiting for the details. I think <laughs> I've seen the details, but um, yeah, <clears throat> you know how it goes. You see so many things. Okay, Lawson, have we got another clue for our quiz? I oh, know it's time to give something no, away. It's time to give something we, away we, for we are free. Done. We are finished. We okay. are come to the end of our show, Lyle. Absolutely. We, of course, we just want to stay here and keep talking to you guys, but we don't have enough time to do that. So we have come to the end of our show. And obviously, at the end of our show, if you're a regular listener, you know that we give something away. And today, considering we've been talking about Bible prophecy, events through history, you know, all that good stuff, we will be giving away a movie. Oh, okay, yes. A movie. Kingdom Come. Well, that's not actually a movie, this is doco. It's a documentary movie. I love docos, though. Docos are my favourite things to watch. I love, like, you know, um, you know, History Channel and, and, and uh, what's that, National Geographic Channel, mm-hmm. even though they rave on about so much evolution and rubbish. Oh, yeah. But some... they have some great docos on there. I really like docos. Dude, yeah, they're the bomb. And this is, this is a doco about Bible prophecy and history and how that history has fulfilled uh, Bible prophecy. Yeah. This is incredible. In fact, the stuff that it, that this movie goes over, I've you know did my personal Bible study on this, and it really like it's life changing. It's just incredible. So if you're interested in that, of course you can give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three, and you can get your own copy of Kingdom Come. And basically, what they do is they go through some uh, important Bible prophecies here, and they have world class historians verifying, mm. you know, secular historians verifying what the Bible says. He will take you by the hand, lead you to that promised land. Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? When you've strayed from the fold and there's trouble in your soul, can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? When your soul is lost in sin and you're at your journey's end, can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? Calling you, calling you, calling you. Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? He will take you by the hand, lead you to that promised land. Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? As you journey day by day, and temptation. Say 
for me. 